The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Alexandria, Virginia, and here is your top five at five. Congress passing that $900 billion relief bill and a government spending package on the same night. Watch out, Tesla. Apple reportedly been secretly working on its own car, and production could be right around the corner. Shares of Peloton racing higher again today. Is that company making its biggest deal ever to get off the manufacturing treadmill? Strange bedfellows, why Google and Facebook could potentially team up. And it's tip-off time already. The NBA season starts today, and just like almost everything else this year, it will look a lot different. It is Tuesday, December 22nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. And as you probably heard at the top, we have got a lot to get to on this busy Tuesday. But let's open up our game, if you will, with a check on your money score and futures. A lot different this morning than it was yesterday. Futures right now in the Dow down about 60 points. NASDAQ futures, they're in the green. Now, all this coming off yesterday's furious stock comeback. Remember, this time yesterday... Futures were tanking, down 100, then 200, down 500 points, presumably on that UK COVID virus strain news. But then midday, the markets came roaring back, and it became clear that likely was not the case. More likely, it was an impact of the S&P 500 rebalancing, as well as new options position being put on after last week's roll happened. Remember, we talked about the impact of that rollover in quarterly options last week. It was one of our big three events. Well, Many market notes suggesting those would cause the increased selling and volatility yesterday morning, not that COVID strain news. Either way, volatility could increase like it did yesterday in this holiday shortened week. Remember, half day for equities on Friday or Thursday. Friday, of course, nothing for equities because it's Christmas time. All right, 10-year yields, by the way, are still stuck below 1%. They're at about 093 and of course, every day now, we're going to get a check on the cryptos. Let's get a check on Bitcoin and Bitcoin still below 23,000. Actually, one of the rare moments where we're not seeing a big move in Bitcoin. It's up 37 to 22,761. Well, we will get more on the markets in moments. But right now, some of your top Tuesday headlines. The House and the Senate passing a $900 billion COVID relief bill late last night along with $1.4 trillion in legislation to fund the government through the end of the September. The stimulus includes a federal unemployment supplement, $284 billion in paycheck protection program loans, $600 billion in direct payments, and $8 billion for COVID-19 vaccine distribution. President Trump is expected to sign that into law. Elsewhere, Google and Facebook reportedly agreeing to join forces against possible antitrust action. 
The Wall Street Journal cites an unredacted version of a lawsuit filed by 10 states against Google. That suit alleges the tech giant cut a deal more than two years ago to work together with Facebook in online advertising. The lawsuit suggests the companies knew the agreement could lead to an antitrust investigation and that they discussed how to deal with it. In other technology news, Apple reportedly trying to produce a self-driving car with its own battery technology. That car could be available by the year 2024, according to Reuters. Apple stock up nearly 3% on the news right now and was higher on Monday as well. Some other names also moving on the report include Velodyne and Luminar. They both soared yesterday. Why? Well, they make vision technology for autonomous driving. Velodon LiDAR up 8%, Luminar down under 1%. In the meantime, shares of Tesla dropped more than 6% in the session yesterday. It was that company's first day trading as part of the S&P 500. Remember, Apple really, guys, has been working off and on with car technology for about seven years now. So here is a question for you. What should they call it? The boring old iCar? Why don't you guys come up with some good ones and hit us up on social media. All right, back now to the markets. And... There is a saying on Wall Street, a very old saying, that if Santa Claus should fail to call, bears may come to Broaden Wall. So we are just days from entering the annual so-called Santa rally period, December 26th to January 4th or so. But what happens if old St. Nick doesn't show up at all? Bill Stone is the CIO at Stone Investment Partners. And Bill, I tried to sort of do my old, like, you know, money bags, you know, back in the, the 1920s type, you know, Monopoly man voice there. It didn't work out too well. So listen, I, there's all these, act, you know, axioms and, and things that Wall Street has, but there seems to usually be something to this idea of the end of the year rally. What do you make of it? Does it matter to you? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, the saying is kind of telling you that, you know, Santa, you know, has some sort of crystal ball and it, it tells you something about next year. From my looking at it, it really doesn't tell you much about next year. It doesn't have a very good uh, track record of, of foretelling the future like most of us. But the one thing it does do when you take a look at this period of kind of Christmas Eve until January 5th here, um, we have oddly high returns during that point. Uh, about 75% of the time we're up, which is is a very large hit ratio, and we're up about 1.3% on average uh, since all the way back to one uh, since 1969. So uh, it has a long track record. Obviously, does not work every year, uh, but there's something, I think, to the good cheer uh, that you tend to have uh, at least some tailwinds during this period. Yeah, hey, if I knew, if I knew Bill, that something was going to happen 75% of the time, right, like the Steelers always cover against the Bengals. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> if I knew something was going to happen 75% of the time, that's pretty doggone good odds. So if we get it this year, does it, again, does it tell you anything about 2021 or is it just kind of a nice cherry on top to what's been a great market year, but pretty much a terrible year in every other way? <laughs> I'll, I'll put it as, you know, it's a cherry on top of the year, but it doesn't really, uh, at least from anything I've looked at, tell you anything about what, what next year brings. So enjoy the presents uh, in this year. We all deserve them. Uh, hopefully we'll get them here. And uh, I always say, you know, may, unfortunately, we may have unwrapped our presents early from the market, but I still think, you know, again, like you said, 75% hit ratio, there's a good chance you at least get some positive move during this period. 
You know, Wall Street strategists have been tripping over themselves to produce higher and higher numbers for the end of 2021. Most estimates for the S&P 500 bill are around, you know, anywhere from 3,900 to I think 4,600, basically like 10 to 25% gains next year. Almost everybody seems bullish on equities. Are you? I mean, even the longer term, because, you know, I mean, this this hurts to say, but it, it's kind of the Tina, right? There is no, uh, you know, substitute for this. Like, there's no alternative because yields are so low, they're highly likely to stay very low, uh, even if they creep up somewhat, which, frankly, you would expect if the economy continues to put itself back together. But, again, it's hard to find a place where you can find some sort of returns that isn't very comforting sometimes. But then I'll also be a little more positive in the sense that there are areas of the market that are not expensive. You know, there are areas that are rightly expensive because they've done very well during this pandemic. There are areas like the pharmaceuticals that are, you know, you can have a big drug company for 13 times earnings with a big dividend on it. Uh, You can do the banks at close to book value. Um, I, I think, you know, there are pockets of opportunity. Bill Stone, Stone Investment Partners. Bill, always a pleasure to have you on here. We'll wait and see if that Santa Claus rally happens. Either way, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours, Bill. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you. All right, when we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, a live report from London on day two of their new hard COVID lockdown. And as we head to break, let's get a check on some more of your early movers that are happening in the market right now. We are seeing S&P pre-market gainers in Apple. Norton LifeLock and NetApp. We're back right after this.
All right, welcome back. Europe remains on high alert. Multiple nations slapping a travel ban on the UK as they fight the outbreak of a new strain of COVID. And here in the U.S., some are calling for mandatory testing before passengers can arrive from Great Britain. Jumana Bersetti joining us now live from our London newsroom with more on this developing story. Jumana. Right. It's day two, as you mentioned, Brian, of the ongoing situation here with that mutant strain that emerged uh, over the weekend and that has really gripped markets the last 24 hours. But there is some good news because Britain and France could reach a deal on reopening the border as soon as today. That is according to UK media. Now, this comes after more than 40 countries in the world have banned travel from the UK to prevent the spread of this new coronavirus variant. Spain has become the latest country to block all travelers from Britain except Spanish nationals and residents. And this follows on from Germany and France yesterday. I just want to take you to how airline stocks are doing today in Europe. You can see that actually for the most part we are rebounding. It was a very heavy selling session yesterday. Some of these names were down anything from 5 to 7 percent. We are seeing a rebound, uh, namely uh, for some of the larger uh, airlines. So Air France, KLM up about four and a half percentage points. So some of the others also trading up nicely. Still haven't fully recuperated the losses from yesterday, though. But there is some optimism that these travel bans won't last for very long. But remember, a good part of the country is in this tier four lockdown. So uh, very restrictive in terms of what activity they can get up to. And many of us have actually had to cancel our travel plans. So as long as the tier four restrictions are in place, not very good for the travel and hospitality sectors as well. But in a press conference yesterday, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson did say that the leaders of the UK and France are looking to resolve the delays in goods transportations and did seek to reassure the public that food imported from the continent will be unaffected by the border disruption in Dover. It's vital first to stress that these delays, which are only occurring at Dover, only affect human-handled freight. And that is only 20% of the total arriving or departing, arriving from or departing to the European continent, which means the vast majority of food, medicines and other supplies are coming and going as normal. So, Brian, there was a bit of a panic yesterday about the possibility of there being less food available for Christmas dinners over the next couple of days, given the lockdowns we're seeing in the supply chains for supermarkets. The Boris, uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has sought to reassure the public that Christmas dinners can indeed mm -hmm. still go ahead. There may be some short lockdowns, uh, but for the most part, these supermarkets do have enough inventory in place. But it has been a, a somewhat of a, a scary 24 hours uh, for people in the UK. Yeah, and it came without warning or notice the last time they gave a couple of days. And, and we saw the pictures and video, Jumana, of people fleeing London. I mean, you look at St. Pancras Station, yeah. many of the other types of train stations, they yeah. were filled with people. Just when, whenever there's a lockdown, people tend to leave those areas, whether it's in Wuhan or London as well. Have you been out? I mean, do the stores have stuff on the shelves? We had massive amounts of sort of hoarding at the beginning of this back in Latin, you know, this March. Are you guys seeing the same thing? And not so much this time around. There has been there have been some reports that people are looking to start stockpiling, but I think the general commentary from the supermarkets and from the government itself is that look, the situation is under control. Yes, yesterday we did have a backup of 500 lorries uh, by that port of Dover, but it's been reduced to 120 lorries today, and uh, some of that logjam should be fully uh, unwound by the end of uh, the, the trading session, hopefully in the next couple of days. So I think people's fears have been reassured. 
assured. The bigger question, though, is that of this mutant virus. And we do know that it is uh, rapidly uh, spreading in, in the country. Uh, and we don't know how severe also its impact is going to be on uh, people's you know, overall reaction to the virus. So that is something that we're monitoring and watching very, very closely. I would say that is the larger concern at this point and obviously what that means for potential uh, further lockdowns in the future. Only a third of the country is under tier four, but that could be rolled out to even more parts of the country as well if the situation from a virus standpoint continues yeah. to get worse, Brian. Yeah, we'll see what the people's appetite for that may be. But the good news is that most people we talk to believe the vaccines should or will work on this new strain as well. We're going to talk to somebody Correct. from Emory University about just that. All right, Jumana Brissetti, thank you very much. Huge truck traffic jams in the corners of England. All right, up next, as we get ready for the show's second quarter, the NBA had a successful end to last season in its COVID bubble. When the new season begins tonight, things are going to look a lot different. The big business of basketball is our friend Jabari Young will join us next. Today's big number, $1.2 billion. That's how much New York City has lost in real estate tax revenue so far in 2020, according to The Real Deal. Sales of commercial and residential properties are down 49% this year through November. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back and good morning. Dow futures down just 34, a little different than yesterday, but let's step out of the markets and get a check on some of this morning's other top world and national headlines. For that, NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York. Francis. Hey, Brian, good morning. Uh, Attorney General Williams Barr resignation will take effect tomorrow. He held his final press conference yesterday and made a major break from the president, saying there's no need to bring in a new prosecutor to oversee the federal investigation of Hunter Biden, which has been going on for nearly two years. And no need, Barr said, for one, to look at the election, saying there's no evidence of widespread fraud. A cheating scandal is rocking West Point this morning. More than 70 cadets are accused of cheating on a math exam while learning remotely last spring. Two have since been exonerated. Four left the academy, but the others still face administrative actions. The 55 cadets who admitted guilt will be on probation for the rest of their time at the academy. It was a massive upset on Monday Night Football. Cincinnati started off hot with Von Bell lighting Juju Smith-Schuster up like a Christmas tree to force that fumble. Pittsburgh's three turnovers hurt them throughout the game. Backup QB Ryan Finley made the division leaders pay for it, both in the air and on the ground. The Steelers couldn't steal it in the second half. The Bengals hand Pittsburgh their third straight loss. That score, 27-17. to Brian, those are your headlines for this Tuesday morning. Francis, I know that I, I know some of your colleagues' teams. Do you have a team? Who's your team? I'm the Chargers, which is just <laughs> terrible. Well, I, college by default, my husband's full-on Cornhuskers. So, by default, I'm there, too. Nebraska. Okay, Nebraska Cornhuskers. I like you. Just three yards and a cloud of dust. Francis Rivera, thank you very much. You we'll see it. you soon. All right, take care. All right, switching sports from those awesome Bengals jerseys to the NBA. 
which kicks off its season tonight. And if it seems like the season just ended, you're not wrong. It's only been two and a half months since the Lakers won the title on the delayed and COVID-shortened season. And though some things will be more normal, there is no more Orlando, Florida bubble this season, for example, many things will still be very different. Jabari Young, sports or business reporter for CNBC.com, joining us now. He was on a 90-minute call with Adam Silver and other NBA executives yesterday. Jabari, good to see you again. Hard to believe it kicks off. Uh, aside from a slightly shortened season from normal, what other big changes will there still be for 2021? Well, Brian, good to see you again, too. Happy holidays and you and your family. Hope it's a safe one. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking that the uh, the NBA is hoping that it's a safe holiday, too. You know, uh, remember tonight, you know, do, they do kick off the start of their regular season, but it's those Christmas Day games is what they were really trying to get back for. So, you know, uh, you know, in talking to Adam Sylvia today, along with other media members, you know, you, you get the sense that the league is, uh, you know, definitely excited about being back. And the calls that I've made last night, the team presidents and agents and even players, you know, they, they also are excited. You know, it's just a, a matter of how it's going to look, um, you know, those, those positive tests, because you know that they're coming. The NBA has been, you know, great at messaging that, saying, hey, listen, we're expecting this. They're not going to think that they're going to escape it like the NFL. Uh, MLB and the NFL didn't escape it in the NBA. I don't think they, they will, too. So I think right now it's just a, a wait and see. Uh, teams are going to fill it out, fill out the protocols, and then in, in certain jurisdictions hopefully try to continue behind the scenes to do all they can to get fans back in their arenas because remember that's 40 percent of revenue uh, as the Brooklyn Nets CEO was on our area yesterday and he alluded to yeah you know and you're, okay so this this shortened season Jabari listen and your good point we know there's going to be positive tests it's like the media and we're we, we're the media Jabari still breathlessly reports every delayed game we get it there's going to be positive tests in every right. sports the way it works they get better they come back so are they stretching the season out because there might be periods of time where a team can't play for a week or 10 days. You know, it's interesting. You know, they're, they're, they're breaking up the schedules, you know, so they released the first half already, and then they're going to release the second half sometime. I think they want to do it in early March. And what the plan is, is that the postponed games, and they're only expecting a handful, you know, from each team, because remember, it's going to have to take a lot for a, a, the game to get postponed. You're talking about a massive outbreak, similar to what the NFL and MLB had. Well, the NBA wants to try to avoid that. So, and if they do have postponements, they can easily schedule those games on the back half, the second half of the season. That's one of the reasons why they did not release the second half of that season yet, because they're going to plan on plugging those game, uh, games in for that second half. So it's a good idea. Um, and, and again, they're just hoping to get away with the benefit that the NBA has, uh, you know, as opposed to when they first came back to start their bubble is that testing is better, right? We have rapid testing. We have uh, the vaccine, you know, the, the news around the vaccine. And the NBA said they're not going to jump the line, but I would assume that they're hoping that it's more widespread because what it is, the teams, the, the feeling I'm getting to and talking to teams, those teams that are even on the fence about allowing fans in is that they would love to get their protocols up and running, get the yeah. kinks out. Because if you're a postseason team and you're allowed fans at that point, you want to make sure your protocols are in place because that playoff revenue, that's massive dollars at the gate that you're missing out on. Uh, and you're thinking, you know, by April and May that maybe, maybe if the vaccine is more widespread, that they can have some fans come back in. And again, that's playoff money that they're missing out on. And I'm sure that owners... Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes would love for that, that to be the case. Well, listen, the I've been covering the vaccines, Jabari. I've been on the road with them. Trust me, it's going to be a lot more widespread. Now, you may have a bunch of doctors and nurses that are in the studio, but good, good for them, by the way. Give them the tickets. They more than deserve it. All right, I got a couple of questions, my friend. Yeah. We just threw up a graphic that said team parties will be limited to 45 people. I assume that means parties like a group, not parties like 
hey, let's throw it down tonight after midnight, right? I mean, we talk about parties, we're talking about groups of people, not revelry. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're talking about groups of people, man. Here's a party, I'm you like, know. 45 I'm, I'm people? Sorry. I want to have a party of 45 people. And that's fine, but just don't take any pictures and put it on social media so that you won't get criticized either. Um, yeah, that, those are groups of people. And, you know, uh, teams are going to have family and friends even coming to the games, kind of you know, cutting it off from the outsiders uh, just to kind of test it to see how things look. But if those parties, even those parties get big, I think they'll shrink those, too. You know, so, you know, it's only about, you know, the, the yeah. people are going on the road, the people are traveling. You know, I think the teams want to make sure that it's only you know, yeah. uh, ideal personnel, important people, because you don't want to just be taking any old body and then that person can, you know, set off an outbreak and then that's going to cause problems for your league. So small travel sizes, small people in, in the arena for those teams not allowed to have fans. And for those teams that do have fans, you know, I think they're going to try to work around uh, and, 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 and try to get people back in safely. Yeah, and apparently, according to your reporting, six teams are allowing fans. Seems like a little bit of an unfair advantage there. We'll get to that next time we have you on. Jabari Young, always a pleasure to get you out. NBA tipping off tonight. Jabari, we'll let you get back to work. Thank you very much. Long days ahead. Appreciate it, buddy. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you soon. All right, up next, shares of Peloton have been among this year's so-called stay-at-home winners. And now the fitness company making its biggest deal ever, all to solve one very basic problem, the details. When Worldwide Exchange returns, Dow Futures off 52. Looks a lot better than yesterday at this time. We're back right after this. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Congress passing a COVID relief bill and government funding plan all in the same night. Hard to believe, but true. Tesla shares dropping on the company's first day in the S&P 500. Is Apple going to make a play at their business? And Peloton announcing its biggest deal yet. All to solve a very basic problem. It is Tuesday, December 22nd. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome or welcome back, everybody, and happy Tuesday. I am Brian Sullivan. Let's see how your money and the markets are setting up their day after that furious comeback for stocks yesterday. Futures looking a lot different now than they did at this time yesterday. Remember, right now, about 5.30 in the morning, futures down like three or 400 points. Talking a lot about that UK virus train. Right now, Dow futures down just 44. Fair value, actually, green. NASDAQ futures are in the positive. S&P also just turned positive as well. So, Flip a coin on what way the markets are going to go today, but either way, looks nothing like yesterday. Of course, the markets came roaring back, and it became clear on Monday that it wasn't really that UK COVID strain that was driving the sell-off. I got all the attention, but really it looks like it was just the S&P 500 rebalancing combined, perhaps, with some new options positions being put on. Remember, the quarterly options for many tech stocks rolling over last week, new positions had to be put on. 
That was probably leading to what we saw in the big sell-off the first couple of hours. And volatility, as we saw yesterday, certainly could jump. It is a holiday-shortened week. Thursday, a half-day for equities. Friday, it's Christmas. Everything's closed, thankfully. All right, financials did well yesterday. If you didn't notice, you should. Goldman Sachs, one of its best days in a long time, up 6%. Morgan Stanley, up nearly 6 And J.P. Morgan Chase, up nearly 4%. Goldman is now up 14% in just one month. Now, oil prices, of course, they declined yesterday. Those were probably over more lockdown concerns. If you're not going anywhere in Europe, you're not going to burn fuel. But I want you to look at oil prices right now. They're down a little bit, but still at 47 and change. Watch jet fuel prices and demand. It could start to pop because according to TSA data, get this, more than a million people have gotten on a plane in the United States in the last three days. That is the first time that we have seen a million people go through TSA checkpoints since March 14th, 15th, and 16th. Look at that. Over the 18th, 19th, and 20th of December, more than a million people. First time, a million, more than three days in a row since mid-March. All right, now for the fight against COVID. And as Moderna's vaccine has started arriving at hospitals and distribution centers across America, really a key new question has surfaced. Will the vaccines work against new strains of COVID that are popping up in the UK and South Africa? And one that is likely to show up here as well. Joining us now once again is Dr. Carlos Del Rio, Executive Associate Dean at Emory University School of Medicine. He was also a participant in the Moderna vaccine trials. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much for joining us. I don't want to put you on the spot. I know there's a lot of information that is not known yet, but talking to your colleagues and scientists, is it? A, do we believe that these vaccines are likely to be effective against these new coronavirus strains that we are seeing pop up? Good morning, Brian. Yes, yeah, so far, all the evidence suggests that this vac- this, uh, the available vaccines, both the Pfizer and the Moderna, seem to be effective against this uh, variant. There's a lot of people looking at it right now, but there's from a molecular standpoint, from a biological standpoint, there's no reason to suspect they would not be effective. That is very good news. And as we do understand in South Africa and the UK, it might be more transmissible. In other words, a lot easier to go from me to you or you to me or whatever, but it does not appear to be more dangerous. Is that also correct? That is correct. Uh, What, what, this mutation does is it appears to increase the affinity of the virus to the respiratory to the respiratory cells. It, it, it attaches more readily to the what we call the ACE2 receptor. And it's not just that mutation, but two other mutations in existence in the virus. It's a combination of three mutations that seems to increase what we call the R-naught, the transmissibility by about 0.4. So this virus thought we thought had a transmissibility about 2.5 to 3, which means one person infects 2.5 to 3 people. If this increases by 0.4, then the same virus now will infect 3 to 3.5 people. So therefore, the number of people infected increases significantly. Yeah, that r not goes up dramatically. But I guess, doctor, in its increased transmissibility would be de facto increased risk as well. If you're saying it's attaching to those ACE2 inhibitors, that would mean that vulnerable members of the population, the elderly, those with high body mass indexes or other underlying conditions, in some ways it would be more dangerous for them because it may be more easy for them to catch. Well, that's a good point. It it is more easy for them to catch, but the virus itself is not more severe. So in other words, once you get sick, the disease outcome 
is no different. Therefore, you know, it is not a more lethal or more severe virus. It is simply because there's more transmission to more people, you would probably have more sick people, but it's not because the virus is more severe. It's because the number of people infected is higher. Yeah, and, and there's some worry out there, and obviously we're CNBC, so we talk about the economic impacts of this stuff. And there are people saying, well, what if the virus comes here, this new strain? Doctor, it's clear it's got to be here already circulating in the U.S. population. We're learning now that, that COVID existed in the U.S., in December, if not earlier, and maybe parts of China as early as October, it's, it seems logical that that strain would already starting to be circulating here, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the strain is already here. And that's why, you know, limiting flights and other things like that, by the time you do it, it's almost like the horse is out of the barn. Now, some of the things that are happening is we have to increase our surveillance. We have to increase our molecular surveillance. I think uh, what some airlines are doing, like, you know, British Airways and Delta of starting to test passengers to make sure people that get on planes are COVID negative is a good idea. I think we have to do more testing at airports. The reality is testing is one way to prevent strains from moving in different directions. Yeah, let's get these rapid, you know, $10, $15 tests. You get the answer in 15 minutes and you can come on board. Dr. Carlos Del Rio, doctor, a real pleasure to have you back on as well. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right, coming up, it is your morning RBI, and this one, by the way, could affect the doctor because he lives in the Atlanta area, and it could be another big tell on why 2021 could be the year of both the traffic jam and higher oil prices. And speaking of cars, we are going to talk Tesla, the stock falling in its first day in the S&P 500. What is the road ahead? We're going to find out as we go to break. Let's get a check on some of the winners and losers of the pre-market here on WEX Worldwide Exchange, we're seeing Dow futures down about 50 points. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's talk power, not, not implied power politically or otherwise, but actual power, flipping the switch and the light come on. Look, it works. Utilities may be vital to our day-to-day -day life or at least morning television, but the sector is becoming far less important to the stock market. Dominic Chu is in this morning with what investors should what should we know, Don? Well, we should know that, like you said, the power is flowing and that keeps us on air. And so is the water for the coffee in the morning. But all of those utility companies play a vital role, like you said, but they are becoming a less and less part of the stock market overall. So just to put things in perspective, the S&P 500 utility sector is one of only four sectors in negative territory so far in 2020. But it's only the fourth biggest sector out there. So does it even really matter? Here are the, some of the numbers behind it. The technology sector that we focus so much on, and rightfully so, is now 28% of the overall S&P 500. The second biggest sector out there is healthcare, 14%. So tech already twice as big as healthcare, and utilities a little less than 3%, just to put it in perspective. Now let's put some dollar numbers behind that. Take a look at this, because the technology sector's market value within the S&P is roughly $8.5 trillion, with a T, Dollars. Meanwhile, you take a look at utilities and the overall combined market weight is about $851 billion. So, yes, your eyes are not deceiving you. The technology sector, roughly 10 times the market value size of what's going on here. And to put it even more in perspective, one technology company in particular, not even the biggest one out there, is Alphabet, the parent company of Google, currently with a $1.2 trillion market cap. And take a look at that utilities sector, $863 billion. So just to kind of give you some numbers Brian, around the utility sector, it's not the most important one. It's not even close to being the biggest one out there. 
but it's one that's important for a lot of income investors still, a very small part of the market and getting smaller with the rise of technology. Brian, back over to you. Uh, Okay, buddy. I would argue that the two smallest sectors, energy and utilities, are actually the most important sectors. Are they the most important of the market weight? Absolutely not. But I would love to see Google work, get those data centers all fired up for Facebook and Google if the power didn't come on. Isn't that amazing? Last check time I heard, you need electricity to get this stuff to work. It just tells you how much investors put on growth versus the actual stability of a business model here. It's not to say that the technology companies don't have stable business models, but they are vital. These utility companies, like you said, they're just not growing. They're highly regulated. They can only charge a certain amount of money. Their growth is capped almost by government intervention at this point here, but they throw off lots of cash. So as many people put it out there, I'm a golfer. A lot of people know that out there. I've got 14 golf clubs in my bag, and they all serve a different purpose. For many investors out there, These utility-type companies spin off lots of cash. They are dividend-paying machines, and so they do play a role in investor portfolios. It's just that these days, Brian, there is so much more focus on, you're going to do a report on Tesla, the growth there, right? They don't make nearly the amount of money that some of these utility companies do, but it's that growth prospect that has many investors so enamored these days. It's the reason why technology is now a 28% weight in the overall S&P 500. I know. I, buddy, I hear you. I'm just saying the lights need to come on. You got you to gotta power up that Tesla unless you're making your own power, which some people are, by the way. You got to do it. Dom, I miss you, buddy. I look forward to getting out. The, you beat me by like 32 strokes last time we played golf at some point. I look forward to playing again and seeing with you again as well. Merry Christmas to you. You got it. Dom. Merry thank Christmas, Brian. All right. Thank you, Dom. All right. Let's talk more about Tesla. It's like, it's like Dom saw the show ahead of time. Tesla falling in its first day in the S&P 500, but after a Massive run-up in the weeks and months before. So what about Tesla and maybe some other tech stocks? Jason Ware of Albion Financial joining us now. Jason, a good morning. Are you concerned about Tesla's you know, inauspicious addition to the S&P 500 yesterday, or is that just froth? Uh, you know, we're not concerned because we don't own the stock. So, I mean, it's a stock we follow clearly like everyone else. But as far as our view on the company, I mean, it's clearly a growth company. It's been a growth company since day one. It's been a company that uh, most investors have been skeptical of since day one. And I think that skepticism, that quote-unquote wall of worry for this stock has uh, helped propel it higher in the sense that Elon Musk and, and co. has really kind of bested most everyone's expectations on what mm-hmm. the EV market can do over the next couple of years. I mean, I think until we get some real bona fide competition in electric vehicles, uh, Tesla has a, a pretty clear path in that market, and that's what the stock's reflecting. Well, well, Jason, you're a tech fund manager. Is it, like, legal that you do not own Tesla? Well, to be clear, Brian, um, we're not just tech. Um, we are overweight tech. We've been overweight tech for a long, long time, for as long as you and I have been talking. But we also go, you know, we have wide moat consumer discretionary. We have some industrials. We have some financials. We have healthcare. So we're a little broader than that. But no, I mean, look, we've missed Tesla. That's something that I admit. Um, you know, we thought about buying it back at 150 a number of years ago, and that seemed a little bit too expensive at the time. And I look back and chuckle at that. But we do own Google and Apple and Microsoft and, you know, Visa and a handful of other technology companies that have done well. So we're, we're, we're satisfied with where we are. But nonetheless, Tesla has taken up a lot of oxygen in the room in terms of the tech conversation. Well, I almost feel like, Jason, everything is technology these days. Even mining yeah. companies will tell you that they're tech because of something. So let's, let's switch gears and, and get some stocking stuff or picks. 
For our viewers, robotic surgery, intuitive surgical, yeah. ISRG. Right. That's one we added this year in the sell-off. Uh, intuitive surgical is dominating the market in terms of the intersection between healthcare and, and technology, as you noted. You know, robotic surgery has a very long runway of growth. Um, intuitive surgical is by far and away the dominant player. There's a couple of others. Medtronic, Johnson & Johnson has a toe in that market. But, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunity to continue to use robotic surgery and technology and software to improve patient outcomes is something that intuitive surgical is benefiting from across a number of different procedures. And we think that runway for growth over the next five to 10 years looks really, uh, really impressive. And the stock's not, not as expensive as it used to be. Um, one of the more expensive on a PE basis in our portfolio, but reasonable given the growth. Yeah, and another name that I hear a lot about but doesn't get any attention, it's tucked up there and I think Milwaukee, that's associated with the Milwaukee Bucks Arena is Fiserv. That's right. Yeah, this is a re really boring company, and, and we love boring technology companies. We, had, we definitely have exciting ones too, but um, Fiserv just continues to be the plumbing, the software and fintech plumbing for uh, most of the largest you know, credit unions and, and regional banks in the country. I think they have about 15,000 different customers and just continue to grow quietly. This is a company that's grown their earnings per share double digits for 31 straight years. That includes the 2008-2009 uh, great financial crisis. That includes the pandemic this year. They just had a great quarter and up to their guidance. The return on invested capital for this company is through the roof and they just continue to operate in an industry where no one really is trying to come in and impede on their economic mode and they really have a wide mode because they are the main core uh, banking software for most of these credit unions and then they cross sell all of these other different services that are higher margins so Fiserv continues to be a nice growth company at a reasonable price. There's nothing boring about making money in that chart at least the last couple no. of months looks very very nice. Fiserv, Intuitive Surgical. Jason Ware, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you very much. Yep. Best to you and yours, and we'll see you in 2021. Take care. Appreciate it, Brian. All right, thank you. All right, on deck. It is your morning RBI, and this one is going to tell you why 2021 may be the year of the traffic jam. But first, if you have not heard, and you probably have not, we are now a podcast, a show every day put into podcast form. So if you miss us, or maybe if we're just too, a little bit too early for you on some days, don't worry. Check us out on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or other podcast apps as well. The WexCast, now available. Smartest hour you can spend. We're back right after this. It is time for your morning RBI. And today's most random but interesting thing kind of has to do with us moving around and maybe a little bit about oil as well. We showed you earlier in the show how millions are flying again. We just had three days in a row with more than a million passengers getting on a plane. But while we are willing, apparently, to get on a plane, we apparently are not as eager to get on mass transit. And we are starting to drive a lot. Remember we talked in the possibility in the spring about this happening. The idea that once we began to move around again, mass transit might be over or damaged for a long time. And everybody, if they could afford it, would sit in the safety of their own gas-burning car. That's why used car sales would boom. And indeed, that's exactly what's happened, particularly in one major city, Atlanta. Apple Mobility data shows that driving levels in Atlanta are now above pre-pandemic levels. You can see, it's hard to see, but that red line there, driving, is up 5% over 
January 13th levels. Mass transit, the purple line, down 57%. The good news is also more people are walking. Now, what's more remarkable about this, even if you think about it, is that even with huge numbers of people still not going into an office, driving is up from before the lockdowns. Now, I checked a bunch of other cities, and they're still below pre-lockdown levels. Houston, Charlotte, LA, but it's not likely long before they catch up as well. And that means we may be using a lot more gasoline. Nearly half of all oil used is to produce gas that you put in your car. So if people are nervous to get back on a bus or a subway, even with vaccines, get ready for a couple of things. More traffic jams. We're looking at you, Atlanta, and maybe higher oil prices. Random, but interesting and something to watch. All right, making other headlines this morning, you've got Peloton buying treadmill maker Precor for $420 million. Company hopes this will help it speed up production and meet delivery goals. Peloton has been struggling to keep up with surging demand for its products during the pandemic. Everybody wants to sit in their basement, ride their bike. Shares are up on the news, now up nearly 450% so far this year. So Peloton using some of that newly found capital to buy a big treadmill maker. Well, as if the SPAC craze could not get any more crazer, SoftBank is now hopping on that train as well. It filed to launch a blank check company, saying it plans to raise $525 million in foreign investment in a yet unnamed or unknown technology company. And the studio behind the James Bond franchise reportedly exploring a sale. The Wall Street Journal says that privately held MGM Holdings is counting its library of content to be attractive to companies that are looking to make bid bets on streaming. If you're going to sell service to a company or consumers, you better have something to show them. By the way, let's get a final check now on the futures and the market because things are looking a lot different today than they were yesterday. This time yesterday, Dow futures were down more than 400 points right now. They're actually flat with a fair value that's actually in the green as well. NASDAQ and S&P 500 futures are higher as well. Yesterday, a lot of blame in the early morning hours being put on that new UK strain of coronavirus. Well, it turned out that was probably misguided because that strain still existed at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time and stock markets were turning positive. Moreover, it was likely the S&P 500 rebalancing combined with new options trades being put on. Remember, the quarterly options, they rolled over. They recycled the end of last week. We talked about it. New positions had to be put on this week. And you could say it doesn't matter. Well, the volume, dollar cost volume, by the way, of single stock options trading in some cases is now higher than the value of the underlying equities. Options trades are huge. They matter a lot. We've been talking about that for a long time as well. And a lot of big time hedge funds are putting on some hedges toward year end just to be careful as well. Travel stocks, they were in focus all day yesterday because of that news. They came back a bit today. Let's get a check on them as well. Airlines, cruises, hotels, you know the names. Well, they're flat to maybe even slightly higher as well. These were stocks that were down 8, 9, 10% at this time yesterday. Luckily, we've gotten some good word. Number one, the vaccines, as you heard Dr. Del Rio just tell you, are likely to work on this strain. Number two, despite being more transmissible, it does not appear any more dangerous whatsoever. Although, if it is more contagious, like it is spread to more people that are at high risk, high BMIs, elderly, etc. So something to watch, but they are confident that the vaccines will work. In the bond market, we are seeing 10-year yields still stuck 
below 1%. By the way, I'm going to write up five predictions for 2021. We used to do a lot of them. I'm going to bring them back here, not by popular demand. Maybe nobody cares, but I like it interesting, and I want to be on the record about stuff. One of them will have to do with interest rates. Look for those predictions to roll out over the next couple of days and weeks. All right, so that does it for us here on another busy day on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box and the gang will pick up the coverage next. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.